NEC women's basketball is back, and so is the NEC on the run on the NEC Overtime Pod. I'm Ralph Ventry. He's our NEC women's basketball insider, Craig D'Amico. Craig, welcome back for another season of NEC Hoops. I know this one is a little different from years past, but we've finally gotten the ball rolling. We are excited to have Hoops competition on our Northeast Conference campuses. How do you feel about that? I got to tell you, I'm watching the games at NEC Front Row. That's normal to me. Basketball on NEC Front Row, NEC Women's Basketball. I mean, yes, visually, there's a lot of different things uh, with all the protocols and whatnot. But, man, we got competition back. It doesn't get any better than that. Well, we're not in the studio like we usually are, but we're still going to bring you the info that you need and that you want as the new year is staring us right in the face, the Northeast Conference games will pick up in frequency and hopefully will complete an 18-game conference schedule, then move into our four-team tournament and crown a champion in March, something we were unable to do last March, but yet we are moving forward here at the NEC and NEC women's basketball on the run is back. So let's get right to it now. Craig, I know in particular, there are three storylines that you're following as the new year hits and the games begin in earnest. What do you got for us? Let's start with number one. Before I get to number one, I just want to hit on something very, very important that you just said. This year, in case fans don't know, it's a four-team tournament. They've cut it back uh, just this year from eight to four. So that's one thing to keep in mind as the season progresses. It's not just fighting to get into the top eight. Now it's fighting to get in the top four. So uh, NEC fans, just keep that in mind. But uh, one of the, and I'll give you credit for this, Ralph. My number one storyline is is the almost changing from the guards. Uh, we have some real strong posts in the NEC this year and you know traditionally you go back to the to the mid 2010s i mean think of all the the post players that we had in the nec your erica livermore's your Artie spanoos ali williams brianna rucker hannah kimmel and then you go on further closer here to the 2020s you had cat haynes sydney holloway uh you had some really really strong post play uh you know you go there there were no off days if you were a four or five there were there were no off days in the nec there was a tough matchup every single night out then we kind of started to shift where we had some sharp shooting guards out there. Jess Kovach, Jay Johnson, Michaela Harrison, Amy O'Neill running the point. So some really strong guard play that was very fun to watch. But now we're kind of making that shift back to the post players. You know, Ashley Barubi with Central Connecticut, which she's done so far, uh, their, their series uh, just recently against St. Francis, Brooklyn. Amelia Krista Grava, Ali Lassen, how far she's come in four years over her career. Brooke Bajelka, who's already racked up a couple of player of the week awards. You know, I, I go back to what Mary Burke told us uh, at media day, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, it's the traditional Bryant post player formula, freshman, sophomore year, getting accustomed to that toughness, that, that grit that you have to have. If you're playing for Mary Burke, it takes a couple of years to get used to junior year, start to emerge senior year, take off. We've seen that with Alex Klein, 
Brianna Rutgers, Sydney Holloway, that junior year was kind of that, that, that breakout year. And then senior year, you know, they were a star. And, and we're starting to see that right now with Brooke Bajelko. Um, and then Kiara Bell, what she's being doing in the post for LIU, allowing Brandy Thomas to get out to the point. And now they, they can get both those players on the court at the same time. And, and even with with Saint with SFU, they have a, a really strong post presence. Jada DePaul coming off the bench, Katie Detweiler in there as well, starting to get healthy. So yeah, we have a lot of really strong post play. It's, it's almost a throwback to just, you know, maybe five, six years ago where there's no off nights if you're a post player in the NEC. Now, you mentioned one of those post players, Brooke Bajelko from Bryant. She's doing tremendous things down in the paint. But you and I were talking earlier, and I think this leads into storyline number two. Bryant is also shooting very well from the outside thus far this season. And uh, that has to make Mary, Mary Burke pretty happy. Absolutely. Mary Burke in her 30th season. Unbelievable. Yeah. has to be really pleased with how the Bulldogs are starting this year. Two and zero at the time we're taping this, uh, their best start since the year they started 10 and zero. I think it was 2016, just a couple, uh, a couple years ago. So, uh, yeah, they're off to a great start and their three point shooting is a big reason why. And I asked Mary Burke this back at media day, four straight years, Ralph, four straight years, Brian has finished either at the bottom or next to the bottom in the league in three-point field goals made and three-point field goal percentage. They've had that post presence. They play with that toughness. And we've always said, man, if they could just hit from the perimeter consistently, this could be it. That's the one piece that's missing. And now it seems that they have it with Perkins and Gallagher. Gallagher was their top three-point shooter a year ago as a freshman. Now she's back hitting at a 50% clip as a sophomore so far this season. Uh, with, with, with that dynamic and those two players hitting from the perimeter, Brian at the moment is number one in the league in three point field goal percentage. So it's quite a flip from bottom to top. And you look at why is Brian off to a great start? That could be it because that was the one thing in my opinion, that's been missing the last couple of years with that element in there. Now, Brian could very well make a push to be in that top four, uh, come the end of the season. Now, outside of Bryant, what other NEC team or teams do you see as a real threat from beyond the arc? I mean, I know I got one, and that would be the preseason favorite, Mount St. Mary's Mountaineers, because you have Kendall Brise, you have Michaela Harrison, who, although she hasn't gotten off to a hot start thus far this year, you know she can knock them down from deep range. Bridget Burkhead, it just seems like they have a number of players in that mountain rotation who can step back and hit a three. Anybody else I'm missing here, Craig? Mount St. Mary's, they're deeper than Oprah's bank account, Ralph. I mean, they got so many different weapons that they could go to. And I think the, the key you said there, uh, Bridget Burkhead, uh, taking that next step last year, and I think, you know, she's even going to take another step here this year as that, 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 really strong high percentage 
uh, three-point threat. Um, and I think she's a valuable weapon. And it's hard to say, okay, let's focus on her. Because as he said, Mount has so many weapons. So it's hard as a, as a, a defense to plan for that because anybody on the floor can shoot. But uh, yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. I think Mount St. Mary's uh, can't really pin. I mean, can't really pinpoint another high percentage team. Central has shot really well so far this year. They're putting up a lot of points in the um, the, the small uh, amount of games that we've seen them so far. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who can keep that up here and who emerges, you know, in the, as we get into the bulk of conference play. All right, Craig, we talked about the post play in the league. We talked about the outside shooting. You'll be keeping an eye on that. What's your third storyline to follow as we hit the new year? I'm interested to see these back-to-backs because with the schedule that we have this year, you know, there's no off day in between. It's two games in a row. And, you know, if something goes wrong that first day, if you're a coach, there's no time to watch film and let's work this out in practice. And let, it's boom, boom. You get to sleep and we're back at the gym the next day. So to, to see the adjustments, are we going to see a lot of sweeps this year? Are we going to see a lot of splits? That's what, that's what I'm really interested to see. And, you know, the early returns, um, you know, we had one sweep, and that was with, with uh, the Bryant Bulldogs, as you mentioned, 2-0 start so far. But uh, you look at, and then St. Francis too, and I think that's what I was, I was just mentioning right there. The first half of that first game was all FDU. And then I don't know what they said at halftime, but SFU came out like gangbusters in the second half. They dominated that second half and they picked up right where they left off. That momentum carried over into the next game and they got a two game split against the FDU Knights or two game sweep, I should say, against the FDU Knights. So are, are we going to see that? Are we going to see momentum carry over from one game to the next, like in that SFU FDU series? Or are we going to see teams, you know, answer back? Um, LIU Sacred Heart, they had a, a really tough physical two-game series in Brooklyn, um, and it was a defensive stand by LIU in that second game that allowed them to, to force the split. And then St. Francis, Brooklyn, and Central. St. Francis, uh, we had one team win big, and then the other team came back the next day. So um, in these back-to-backs, how is that going to play out? Are we going to see, you know, with not a lot of time to make adjustments, no practice time, are we going to see a lot of sweeps, or are we going to see it, it kind of balance or even out? That's what I'm going to be looking for here as the season goes along. And as you know, they will be back-to-back at the same site. Uh, FDU recently played a back-to-back home-and-home with NJIT. They played one game in Hackensack, one game in Newark. Of course, NJIT, a non-conference opponent. But once we hit that conference schedule, like you said, little mini-series all around, definitely a new wrinkle and something to keep an eye on as we move forward in the 35th season of Northeast Conference basketball, number 35. And of course, for the Northeast Conference as a whole, it's our 40th anniversary year. So a special year in hoops, a different year in hoops, but we are balling nonetheless. And we'll be here throughout the season to keep you updated. Craig will have His hot takes, as always, I'll be here to keep them in check. I'm Ralph Entry for the NEC. He's Craig D'Amico, our resident NEC women's basketball insider. This 
was our first edition of the season, the NEC On The Run Pod on the NEC Overtime Pod Network. We'll see you again next time.